Good evening and welcome to another awesome episode of Triggered. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm excited because we're joined by my good buddy, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry. Attorney General Landry is the leading candidate in this year's gubernatorial election in Louisiana. He's endorsed by President Trump. He's been a MAGA supporter since day one, and he's a great conservative and America first warrior. Attorney General Landry also got a huge, with a capital Y, win in his state's lawsuit against the Biden administration on big tech government censorship and collusion. You're going to want to hear about this one because these are the things we always talk about. Our AGs need to be fighting. Conservative attorney generals need to be going after the insanity of the radical left. They got to be doing it. And unlike so many who just sort of sit there and they're worried about what the left is going to say, A.G. Landry actually did it. He took it on and he won. It's a really big deal. We got to make sure we understand the details of that. So we'll get into all of that. But this is a huge win for freedom of speech, for anti-censorship, for not allowing government to collude with big tech to suppress the truth, uh, the real news uh, and and what you guys would all want to know. So uh, before we get to Jeff, make sure you like subscribe to this channel, share these videos, guys, because we know we're not getting any help from big tech. Uh, maybe now the Biden administration won't be able to just pick up the phone and call them directly, but I imagine big tech isn't just going to become net neutral all of a sudden. We have to keep going strong and we can't do that without your help. So like, share, and I also, again, before we get to General Landry, I want to thank our sponsors for having the guts to support a show like this, okay? I want to make sure you guys take the time to check out GoldCo and understand the importance of diversification in your portfolios, guys. We see it every day. It's looking like 2008 all over again. Now you're starting to see it in real estate. You saw it with the bank collapses. You see it with inflation. You see it with ridiculous skyrocketing interest rates. Uh, you know, homes are, I don't know how people are gonna afford to live in their homes. Uh, it's getting insane and it doesn't look like it's slowing down. So when millions of Americans watched their retirement savings disappear in 2008, Many weren't prepared, and so we see the warning signs, and I just want you to be prepared and take those precautions. So owning tangible, physical, inflation hedging gold and silver can help stabilize and secure your portfolio. So from precious metal IRAs to direct purchases of tangible, real gold and silver, Gold Co's helped thousands of Americans diversify and protect their retirement savings. So support the companies who support you Instead of supporting the woke companies who hate your guts, go to donjuniorgold.com to learn more. Uh, that's D-O-N-J-R-Gold.com. Just learn, hear from them, listen, figure out if it's right for you. And I think uh, compared to everything else we're seeing, I have a feeling it will be. But I want you to learn first and foremost, because that's what this is about, learning and making actual informed decisions. So speaking of also being prepared, folks, I want you to check out My Patriot Supply. The economic anxiety, banking crisis, supply chain shortages, inflation, they're all reasons, just like Gold Co. for gold and securing your financial stability, you need to be prepared for what's next and also invest in your family's food security. It's why I partnered with the great folks at My Patriot Supply. Uh, they're a leader in an emergency preparedness, and the world is way too unstable, frankly, to rely on our government to ensure your family's safety and security. And you want to make sure that if a disaster strikes, 
you are all prepared. So go to mypatriotsupply.com slash Don Jr. Mypatriotsupply slash D-O-N-J-R and stock up on their popular three-month emergency food kick. When you do, you'll also get $200 off for a limited time. So these food kits will keep everyone in your family sustained and healthy in an emergency. I mean, I live in Florida, you get hurricanes, whatever it may be. Beyond uh, the bigger picture, which is like more on the brink of World War III, minor details, but be prepared and you're not gonna regret it. So go to prepare, P-R-E-P-A-R-E, with donjr.com, that's D-O-N-J-R.com, and enjoy fast, free shipping as well. With that, guys, we're going to go to my friend, Jeff Landry. All right, guys, welcome back. And I'm here with my good buddy, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry. Jeff is, a, like I said, you know, sort of in the intro, one of the guys that's actually doing all the things we want our Republican Attorney General's doing. He's not just talking to a small group of conservatives, telling them what they want to hear, but then doing nothing. And he's one of the leaders of this major censorship lawsuit that we spoke about last week, where, well, I'll let him take us through it. So, uh, Attorney General Landry, great to have you with us. You know, walk us through what the collusion was between the Biden administration and the big tech companies, and what about the ruling and the status of what's going on you know, that, that we can learn from, because this seems like a really big one. It is. I, look, I've said all along since last year that this case is probably one of the most important cases, biggest First Amendment cases, certainly in modern times. And so let me just spend just a quick minute kind of walking everyone who's watching and listening to this through why this case is important and why we took this case on. So we know from decades upon decades of Fourth Amendment Supreme Court cases that the government cannot go out and coerce or collude or um, or partner with a private citizen or a company uh, to basically get information to, like, say, search your home. Right. So yeah. Fourth Amendment. If it, the government if the government doesn't have probable cause to get a search warrant, they can't go get your neighbor to go into your house and try to rifle through your stuff and find something and bring it back to the government. That would be that would be an illegal search. It'd be a violation of the Fourth Amendment because that neighbor then becomes a government actor. All right. Mm -hmm. So we have all these cases. So if it's a, if it's applicable for the Fourth Fourth Amendment, it should work for the first. And that was our legal theory because we knew that throughout the pandemic and throughout the election cycle in 2020, that many conservative voices were basically muzzled, where the volume was turned down on their pages, they were shadow banned. I don't know if you know any of them. Yeah, I, I may know someone like that. Uh, I may be related to a few others. But I, I know it happened to me big time. And, you know, I was one of the first people that would, and honestly, even before 2020, but like even once we got involved in politics, I go, uh, you know, hey, I'm being shadow banned. How can you say that? Well, I was like, I was getting 5,000 retweets a post yesterday. Tomorrow, you know, nothing changed other than now I'm being political. Now I'm getting four. They're like, well, 4,000, that's not that big a change. I go, no, 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 four, like, like four single digits, uh, you know, and they're like, so I saw what was happening. There was no way for me to prove it. I don't have access to the algorithm, but it was clearly happening. Right. And so, so what we found, well, our theory was, was that the government was actually involved 
in basically going to the social platforms, media platforms and saying, hey, we don't like this particular post. We don't like what Don Jr. says here or Tucker Carlson or Robert Kennedy Jr. or whoever. We don't like what Dr. Robert Malone and them are saying. And so we want you to throttle them back. We want you to take them off of basically social media, maybe place some people in Facebook jail or or take their accounts away. When the government does that, when the government then coerces big tech to do that, and then big tech does it, that's a First Amendment violation. And so we filed this case. I'll bring you back again. We filed this case back in like May or June of last year. And a lot of people laughed at us. Mainstream media, oh, this is going nowhere. And then the judge, great judge, he started giving us the ability to do discovery. And then we started mm-hmm. getting emails. And then we started doing depositions. Remember, we deposed Dr. Anthony Fauci. We deposed Elvis Chan at the FBI. And I mean, it was a treasure trove, Don. I mean, the things yeah. that we found, like we found like Robert Flattery, White House IT guy working directly for the president of the United States, President Joe Biden, saying, listen, I thought you guys were going to get Tucker off the air. Are you going to throw that back? Or Robert Kennedy Jr. stuff has to be taken down. Like, I mean, email threads of back and forth discussions with Facebook and Twitter about censoring American citizens. Mm-hmm. Then, then we start putting together, let's just talk about the Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah, I was going to say that that's obviously the other big one, right? You had everything with COVID. You have everything with masks. You have everything with just the general censorship of conservative. But I mean, that was direct election interference as far as I'm concerned. I mean, when you look at the statistic, I think it's like 17 percent of Democrats said that had they known anything about it, they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. Like that's game over right there. Like so for the people that complain a lot about election interference, they're awfully silent about the fact that they were actually doing it themselves. Well, let me tell you, if I was you, I would get this 154-page opinion. I can flag the pages for you because Judge Doty goes through that extremely carefully and, and very articulately. He articulates exactly what the FBI knew when they had the laptop. They refused to tell the social platforms that this was not Russian disinformation or Russian interference. And basically spells out for you that guess what? They tilted the election because look, the FBI had the laptop, which we know now in their possession. They are communicating with Facebook and Twitter and telling them, look, you have to look for a Russia data dump, a Russian interference. You have to be on guard. And then the New York Post publishes the Hunter Biden laptop story. And what is the first thing the social platforms do? They start suppressing it. Yeah. Okay, they start throwing it, they start debunking it. And the FBI, don't you think the FBI had the responsibility to tell the American people, certainly to tell the platforms, hey, well, that laptop, if I if we if we're exists. naive enough to believe that they're good actors, yes. I mean, if if they're truly law enforcement and trying to act impartially, the answer is yes. But I, I don't know that they've done anything that, and not not a thing that I've seen in the last five or six years, maybe longer since we've gotten into politics to actually earn uh, that trust uh, and that respect, the reputation that perhaps they used to have. I think, frankly, they've done the opposite. I think they functioned as one of the worst state actors perhaps we'd ever seen. I think they're they're making a, you know, Mao uh, 
and Stalin, those people, they're making them blush because they're doing it. You know, at least those guys didn't pretend to be objectives. These guys are pretending to be objective while functioning uh, as, you know, a, a wing of the other side. Well, you know, the interesting part is the difference between America and, say, Russia or Germany or China, okay, when those dictators uh, were basically terrorizing their citizens, the one difference, the major difference between us and them was that they didn't have a First Amendment right, but we do. That First Amendment is what is supposed to guard us from exactly that type of conduct, because because free speech is not supposed to have an approval process, yeah. right? And so what we found inside of this case and what the judge found, and he lays out an opinion, are those exact same things. And he spells it out. Look, they had possession of the laptop. They did not notify the social media platforms. They did the opposite. He goes to the gain of function in Dr. Fauci, where they throttled back epidemiologists and virologists who yeah. were questioning the origins of COVID-19. I mean, yeah. <laughs> don't the American people have a right to have a debate as to Correct. where I, well, and the listen, origins of a In what universe was the Wuhan lab leak theory not the most plausible answer? You know, of, of course it came from there. Like, they, it, like, no, 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 it came from six feet outside of the lab that studies the exact virus in question. Obviously, nothing happened. And if you believe something happened, and even if you ask the question when it's clearly the most plausible answer, you were thrown out of academia, you were thrown out of medicine. Anthony Fauci would cut off your funds if you were doing other research. So they got people to go against the science and just fall in line with whatever they were told, even if it made no sense whatsoever. And you know what the judge calls that? In the, in the opinion, he calls that viewpoint discrimination. Yeah. Think about that for a second. That's basically saying that your viewpoint is should be muzzled. We're, gonna, we're going to control exactly what people say, hear, and understand. And that's problematic. Of course, it's, it's completely un-American. And, and and that's the kind of conduct that went on in this case. I mean, he goes all the way through it. It's an unbelievable. And of course, here's the lovely part. The mainstream media, oh, my word, the hair is oh, on yeah. fire. We're, this case is going to, you know, um, uh, it's a threat to national security. The government's not going to be able to handle pandemics. I'm like, yeah, well, really? I, I think it, it tells you everything you need to know about the left's love of censorship. I have it right here, you know. The left has been freaking out. They they claim disinformation will run rampant. It's like, wait, wait, what what disinformation? You mean like that maybe masks aren't effective? Like a doctor debating that when, oh, like like so many of the conspiracy theories, again, Wuhan lab leak, masks, efficacy of, you know, it's, everything. The conspiracy theorists all were right. They all were right. Yeah. You know, it was... You know, it's the same media that was running around for five years telling us about Russia, Russia, Russia and how Trump was colluding. Well, well, that's a lie. But if you questioned it at the time, you were spreading misinformation because liars like Adam Schiff would get up there. I've seen the evidence. Oh, you've seen the evidence. It works for our narrative. Therefore, as ridiculous as it sounds. It's true. And we're just going to run with it. But it, so you're right. I, I like the viewpoint because you're not even. I see this all the time when I get fact check on Instagram or Facebook. It's like they're fact checking me having an opinion, which is I believe X, Y, Z. I'm not saying it happened. I believe based on everything I've seen and we don't know a direct answer. But the fact checkers, 
No, it, you know, some credible source says that. But I go, but that's not definitive. Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. We've seen that time and time again. And so, you know, they're they're creating innuendo around what fact is. They're fact-checking opinion. Uh, so I, I liked what you said, which is like even fact-checking the notion of discourse, because that's different than fact-checking a fact that we that we can all objective, you know, one plus one is two. Um, fine. You can fact check that. But, hey, I think that maybe it came from the lab. You haven't released anything contrary to that. Just because Fauci says it doesn't mean it's gospel. I saw his emails. His emails to his colleagues said one thing and his words to the American public when, you know, he turned himself into like a celebutant uh, on TV and he loved every second of it. We're totally the opposite. So which one was true? Because they two opposites can't be true in the same period of time. And yet he controlled the narrative and the gospel and contradicted himself along the way. And he was deceitful the entire time. Yeah. He was deceitful to then your dad, the president. He was deceitful to the American public. Uh, he was trying to hide the gain of function, a trail of money that he that they were colluding. I mean, not colluding. They basically working with the Chinese. So we, the our government was out there spending American tax dollars in China to basically do research on things that were going to harm Americans. That's what, yeah. that's one of the big things he was trying to hide. He was trying, and the genie had come out the bottle, right? And that's, well, but he, again, but he lied to so, Con. Didn't he say that it wasn't happening? I mean, he, he told the public yeah. it wasn't happening. And then, of course, it was because we all knew it was because that's the kind of scumbag that he is. But because, again, he was carrying the, you know, it's like Brennan. And struck, you know, you can lie to the FBI, you can lie to the American people, you can lie to Congress. As long as you're doing their bidding, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Just like Hunter, right? You can, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, you know, where they they can't find out who had the coke in the White House. I, I wonder, I, you know, of course they're never going to well, find it. They're doing that bidding. Well, I'm glad you went down there because look, that's why this case is so important. I mean, don't you think? So let, 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 let's say this case had not come about. Let's say we yeah. had not filed this case. There would there is there would be backdoor channels of information going between the White House and social media. Their ability to basically hide the fact that there was cocaine found in the White House would be greater today had this case not been filed, had this judge not enjoined it. Yeah. I mean, to what limit does the government get to hide things from the American people about their government and about the people who operate inside of their government? I mean, what do you think would have happened if they'd have found cocaine in the White House when your dad was there? Jeff, I mean, just, so, just, so just so we understand, just so we understand, I saw a lot of people, uh, you know, last week saying that it was me. I haven't been in the White oh, House you? in three years. They were out there saying that it was me with that. Like, not the guy that's on video same week released, you know, smoking crack going 170 miles an hour in a car. Not the guy that's repeatedly on video doing, you know, pretty serious illicit drugs. Uh, it, it was me. So, yeah, I have a feeling if, if it was the Trump White House and Don Jr. happened to be anywhere near the White House or within three or four months of the White House, there would be no... Do you think maybe it could have been done? It would have been me because obviously that, have been that's who it would have been in, in the uh, eyes of the media. Just like, of course it was Hunter. You think it what? It was the White House medical staff bringing coke. I doubt it. They all get tested. Uh, everyone else goes through serious screenings. Uh, guys that are protectees of the United States Secret Service, of which Hunter is one, 
don't go through the same level of screening. Of course he could do it. And you have the minor issue of he's a known participant in those activities. Listen, I mean, like, look, look, all you got to do is take a look at what's in the laptop. I mean, there's a very detailed report that's out there on the internet that, 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 um, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the fella um, who did the uh, Marco Polo uh, yeah. report that just basically lays everything out. But again, that all of that is information that the American public has a right to know. Yeah. Okay. Listen, in our private capacity, you as a private citizen, the things that you do, and yeah, you've got some, uh, uh, an expectation of privacy. However, people like me who put themselves out, who, um, you know, right now I'm running for governor, I, you know, I, I don't I don't have that same expectation of privacy. And as the attorney general, then the public has a right to say, well, you know what? I want to be able to judge the things that he's doing is his official capacity or yeah. not. And, and that's the importance of this. That's why the laptop in this particular case, in my opinion, was so important. That's why the things that Fauci did to hide the origins of COVID-19 are so important. It's why when you go out there, I mean, let's take Tucker Carlson. That's like the issue. I mean, we we have emails from the White House to social media companies saying, "Hey, I thought y'all were going to do something about Tucker's show because I think I, did, I don't remember what the topic was. It was something about COVID nineteen. Maybe it was the vaccines. Maybe it was the mask mandates. I don't remember. Whatever. Maybe it was, it was all of them because they, they were all like, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they didn't I like know. it. And I mean. <laughs> Yeah, and they throttled him. I mean, he's a journalist, for Pete's sake. To me, that's almost like a double violation. Freedom of speech and freedom of the press. You know, again, those are things. And the greatness about this case is it's it's just in its infancy stages. Like, we're yeah, so that, talk about that. What, what are the next steps? Because first of all, it's an injunction, right? So it's not necessarily decided law. It's a pause. So will the injunction hold? Now, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, but, you know, the other side has this thing where they – you know, they'll get it in front of an appeals judge and then they'll sort of, you know, they'll keep trying to put it in front of someone until they find a leftist who doesn't exactly believe in the Constitution, uh, you know, who will then say, oh, it's, you know, while it may be obviously a free speech issue, that doesn't matter. We're going to rule against it. So, you know, talk about that, because I think it has and could have an incredible effect on 2024. Not having it had, in my opinion, uh, an incredible effect on 2020. Again, Hunter Biden laptop, whatever it may be, just the general suppression of anything positive that Trump could have done, uh, the suppression of any negative information about uh, Joe Biden, as well as the artificial boosting uh, you know, of the incompetence that we see in the Double White House today right. to make him seem like he's a reasonable guy with a good record and yada, 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 as opposed to what everyone knew, which was he's the dumbest senator uh, currently, that was currently in, in, in my lifetime you know, occupying an office in the United States Senate. So uh, will the injunction hold and and talk about what you said? It's in the infancy. What does that mean? How, how, do, yeah. how do we keep growing to grow the strength of this? Because this to me seems like, you know, it, it's literally the free speech issue of our time, because if it doesn't stand, if someone's able to do it with the weight, the power, uh, the, the one-sidedness of big tech, I mean, this is everything. This is, this is, this is really the First Amendment on trial. Uh, that's really what this case is about. And so you're right, we have a preliminary injunction that's in place. The government is a P, is going to appeal that particular injunction. 
I think that's going to go to the Fifth Circuit. I like our chances. I think that the judge did a great job of spelling out everything that he found and the reasons why he ruled the way he did. And then also he tailored the injunction to give the government plenty of runway, plenty of opportunity to continue to put information out to the American people and to be on guard. Look, nothing in this order. <clears throat> so you go out there in the mainstream media and you read, this order is going to prohibit the government from protecting us or, or responding to a pandemic. That is absolutely not true. It's absolutely a lie. Nothing stops the government from going to big tech and saying, hey, we want to put this information out. Hey, we think you, this information is important. Hey, we hear that somebody's saying this. This is the response to that. There is no muzzling of the government in this order. What this order does, it says that the government can't muzzle American citizens, mm -hmm. which is what they've been doing. And so it'll go to the appeals court. I hope that we'll get that. They'll deny it. They'll take it to the U.S. Supreme Court. It'll be interesting at that stage whether the Supreme Court takes it. I don't think they will. I think they'll just deny the writ. The injunction will stay in place. And when we continue to litigate and move towards an actual trial, so we'll do more discovery, we'll ask for more emails, we'll really start prying into what exactly the conduct was. And then we'll have a trial on it. Mm -hmm. And then... Then, of course, they'll appeal it. And ultimately, I think this case ultimately ends up at the Supreme Court. But you're right. It's important for the 2024 election cycle. Why? Because it should have a chilling effect on the government interfering in Americans' rights to go to the poll and have the information necessary for them to make an informed decision. And yeah. that's how it should be. The fact that me and you are having this discussion is literally appalling. <laughs> it's it's actually ridiculous. Now, again, and I also it don't want to say I, I don't want to. I, I love where it's going, but like I have a feeling big tech is still going to do the bidding of the Democrat Party, almost irrespective. This just makes it a little bit harder. I mean, this is this is a step in the right direction. It's it, it's you know it's a chip, uh, you know, off the block. Yes. Uh, of, of what's been going on forever with the Democrats and their ability to do that. You know, they have it with the mainstream media. They got it with big tech. They, you know, those people would do the Democrat bidding, you know, probably uh, irrespective of the collusion, you know, coming from it. We're just making it a little bit harder for them to do what they'd want to do or for them to get the talking points to them. But I'm sure they'd figure out a way. Well, we're trying to take one of the players off the field. Yes. Right? And that is like the federal government. I mean, we're right now we got the federal government, the Democratic Party. OK. Um, uh, and big media. All right. And social media. So mainstream media, the Democratic Party. The federal government. OK. They all are marching to one drum, censoring Americans, suppressing their speech trying to do what they can to stifle debate in the public square, in the virtual public square. And so what we're doing here is taking one of those one of those players off the field, the player that should not have ever been. I yeah. think that this is important. That's the player that should have never appeared. The federal government has no place in this. This is completely a violation of the First Amendment. And I'll tell you something else. The courts or Congress must act. One of the things that I would hope to come out of this right now is for Congress to act. And for mm -hmm. Congress to put in place a statute that creates civil liability for government actors, for government employees who engage in violating Americans' free speech. I, that by the way, I love liability. that. So 
Anyone watching, like, make sure you speak to your congressman about that. Now, the problem is they'll probably die in the Senate, right? So we got to we got to win back the House, the Senate in 24 so that we can do it and we can actually effectuate that. But you're right. I mean, if they continue to try to bypass that, there should be consequences to essentially, you know, stymieing Americans free speech, because, I mean, this is happening from the government. It's happening one sided. I have a feeling that if. If the roles were reversed, it was conservatives that controlled it. The Democrats would be trying to throw everyone in jail. So uh, I, I love that. And that's the next step <laughs> oh, of that not, progression. They're not, they're not trying to throw everyone in jail. <laughs> no, they, well, I, listen, I mean, they're trying to throw my father away for a little bit of time, 450 years. You know, my, you know, what's 450 years between friends? It's only, you know, a, a, a little less than half a millennia. Uh, so, you know, no big deal. But yeah, no, I, I think that's a really important point. So it, talk about because you're. You're running for governor. You're attorney general now. Uh, how do you make sure that the guy that gets sort of the keys to this lawsuit in the end, right, if you're running it now, uh, is going to see it through the way that you do? Well, look, we've got we've, we've got a great candidate that's running uh, for attorney general. Uh, you might have met her before, uh, Liz Miro. She's our, she's our solicitor general. She's the one that built the team that brought this case um, okay. with Missouri, with Eric Schmidt in Missouri. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you, you know, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the governor's race, if we could. You know, for many people that are listening and watching out there who feel the frustration, who have anxiety about the direction of the country, who who are frustrated with the swamp and, and with Congress, rightfully so, I believe that one of the ways that we fix the country is by fixing our states. And when there's a critical mass of states that are pulling in the same direction, okay, and you yep. do that through the governors, um, that you start to actually impact the overall policies of the country. And that's one of the reasons I'm running, because I'm going to tell you, I love the job. I mean, this is a great job. I've had so much fun, met so many great people, um, done some great work like this case and, and, yeah. and others that we've taken before. But, you know, Louisiana is in a tough spot in the South. It's one of the only states in the South where more people are moving out than moving in. It's a shame because you can yeah. go anywhere in the country, find a taste of Louisiana in any menu. I mean, look, you don't have to come here, hunt, fish. we got great people. The culture is yeah. wonderful. Everybody says, man, the people in Louisiana are just so great. They deserve a government as good as the people of this state. And that's what we're trying to give them. Yeah, no, I think that's I mean, that's really well said because it's true. I mean, I think we saw that certainly during COVID, you know, Trump left it to the states because as conservatives, that's what we believed. You know, the state's rights. Like, and you see what happened in the liberal states controlled by the left. They took power. They wanted to keep it as long as they possibly could. In the conservative states, it was the opposite. Uh, and so, you know, the governors in many cases for you as an individual, as a citizen, means much more you know, then probably, you know, we need them all, but like then your congressman or your senator in terms of what, what you're seeing uh, and living on a daily basis. I mean, and you're right. I, I love Louisiana. I go there. For those of you guys who don't know, like I've known Jeff for a while. He, he puts on a great, uh, it's a gator hunt and people come in from all over the country. Uh, I got a little trouble with my secret service detail a couple years ago, the first time I went because someone bet <laughs> yeah. me a couple bucks that I wouldn't jump in like the the lily pads where we just pulled out like three 12 foot gators and go for a swim. And I'm getting there undressed and they're like, what's going on. And uh, that one went a little bit viral because I was like, Hey, you know, a bet is a bet. We're going to do this. But uh, I don't think any of them were coming in to rescue me if I got bit, but it's an, it's an awesome time. Uh, you know, I go there for sporting stuff. I go there deer hunting. I go there duck hunting. I go your gator hunt. The fishing's incredible. I mean, it is an amazing state for that, but I've also seen like, 
the stats, not surprisingly, right, but in the in the big cities. I think Louisiana has three cities in the top 10 most dangerous cities in the country. So, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you do have a Democrat governor right now. And, but why is crime so out of control and what can what can you do to do that? Because that spills out, right? The crime there, things pass through the rest of the state to happen, whether it's drug traffic or whatever it may be. Other people are affected by that crime in those cities, not just the residents of those cities who are getting crushed. Well, I think, look, one of the reasons is we made some very damaging and systematic changes to our criminal justice system, um, whereby they just tried to empty our jails. The goal in reforming the criminal justice system should always be how do you keep people from going to jail, not how you let people out of jail. Okay, as a police officer, a sheriff's deputy, as attorney general uh, for seven, almost eight years now, uh, prosecuting cases, that's what I've seen. And 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 so what we did was we really dismantled our criminal justice system. We made it less transparent rather than more transparent. We made it more confusing. We packed on way more rights uh, on the criminals back and less on the victims. And we intend to write that particular ship. You're right. We've got three cities. I mean, think about that for a second. Louisiana has four and a half million people, three cities in the top 10 most dangerous cities in the entire country. And there's no excuse for that other than our criminal justice system and our ability to hold those accountable, to be able to go inside of those cities and say, okay, what exactly is wrong with it um, is hindered as well because of the law. We tried to change that this year. The governor uh, and them killed a bill uh, that would give the public more access to to, to what's going on in criminal courts. Uh, We'll come back and we'll pass that. Uh, New Orleans is unique because you know New Orleans is under a consent decree, which really handcuffs the police uh, instead of the criminals. And I've been yeah. railing about that for about the last eight years. Uh, but there are some things structurally we are going to we are going to make Louisiana a safe place. That's great. What what are the what are the issues that are you know on the top of voters' minds? I mean, I, I was watching last week. You know, Joe Biden ran around doing his you know talk about Bidenomics and you know how great it is. I'm trying to. I'm like, I don't know, man. Uh, I, if I if I have sticker shock when I go into a grocery store or when I see interest rates or any like I'm the son of a billionaire. Like I, if it's if if I notice it, it's got to be hitting everyone. You know, what does Bidenomics look like in Louisiana and what are the issues that are on the, the other issues that may be on top of voters minds there now? Well, first of all, Bidenomics is crushing Louisiana jobs. Right. He has done everything he could. Uh, to stifle the manufacturing that goes on. You know, Louisiana used to be home to 23% of the refining capacity in the entire country. Um, After the last eight years under this current governor, we've lost 2% of that over to Texas. Uh, But they're doing everything they can to hurt those refineries, to hurt that manufacturing space, uh, everything they can to stifle oil and gas exploration. That affects Louisiana as well. So his economics don't work for Louisiana. We're going to work to change that. Of course, that's some of the things we've done as AG is to fight back against those particular policies. But on the minds of people in Louisiana, three things. Number one is actually crime, which we talked about. We know why. Number two is education. Louisiana lags. I mean, they're like 50th in education. Wow. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's terrible. Look, Doc, we've got 74% of our third graders can't read in Louisiana. 80% of eighth graders can't do like basic math. Our schools are failing our kids. 
and we wonder why crime is so high. You know, those things yeah. correlate. My mom was a was a teacher. Uh, she taught in a public school system. She taught in a parochial system. She was a principal. She was a coach. And she'll tell you, like, I mean, the most important voice in a child's education are parents. Yeah. And we've taken the voice of parents out of the educational system uh, and put it and put more bureaucrats into the system and less teachers. We've we basically not allowed teachers to teach anymore. We, we put these standardized tests out. We make that we put so much pressure on the teachers to pass to, for their students to pass these tests that all we're doing is teaching these kids to test. We're not actually yeah. teaching them. We're trying They're to not teach learning. Them. I mean, I, I assume that's all coming from the teachers union or is it is it worse than that? I think it's worth, you know, we've actually, I've been talking to a lot of teachers uh, um, and, and to actually superintendents and they're seeing the same thing and they're feeling the same thing. I don't know what's going on in other states. Uh, you know, Louisiana is kind of a right to work state. Uh, unions are not, you know, what they are like on the, on, on the East Coast. But, you know, we want our kids, we want teachers to teach kids how to think, not what to think. That's a very important distinction. And the curriculum over the last decade, maybe more, has been we want to basically indoctrinate kids on what to think, not how to think. We've taken away critical thinking. Well, that's and, happening and at university started, level, too, right? You're not allowed to yes. have an opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, you yeah. know, the what would have been considered at any other time in modern history, the finest institutions in the world. Like, you know, you got to like, of course, there's 9,752 genders. Like, right, I mean, obviously, like that's apparently science now. Uh, and and if you have a dissenting opinion, rather than having healthy and civil discourse or an argument about it, which does teach you critical thinking, the only way you can actually get ahead is by just regurgitating what they tell you, even if it's ridiculous or ludicrous. Right. Well, you know, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. This actually started in the universities and has trickled down into our K through 12 schools now. Okay. And you're right. And it started out by, again, basically doing the same thing that we discussed at the beginning of this show was having viewpoint discrimination, not allowing young minds and young people to be able to debate. I get, let me give you a great example of this. OK, let's take economics. I, I love to do this. I go around. I see a young man, a young woman. Oh, you're in college. Oh, yeah. What you in? I'm in finance. I mean, I, I'm like, oh, really? You in finance? Yeah. You take any economics classes? And then I love to hit it with. They say, "Well, we're taking macroeconomics. Oh, what's macroeconomics? I don't know what macro microeconomics. I don't know. But either way, this is the question I ask them. I said, well, let me ask you: Do y'all do y'all learn Keynesian or Austrian economics?" And they look at me like I got horns coming. Like, what is that? And that's a, and to to me, that's the point. This university should be able to teach or offer to the student both sides of the equation. So that, so that those students have the ability to look at those things, weigh them out, discuss them, debate them, and then decide for themselves, hey, do I like this type of economics or this type of economics? I mean, yeah. we don't even do that in America anymore. And those universities were built to do exactly what I'm telling you, to give students the ability to balance and to debate those issues. You know it, but what they've done, they indoctrinate kids. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're running for governor. You're, you're doing some amazing things. What are what are the differences and, you know, and the similarities, perhaps, in running for governor versus uh, running for attorney general? Is there a difference? Is there a difference in strategy, approach, uh, how, you, how you do that? Well, you know, Louisiana has one of those crazy jungle systems. You know, we, we got to do everything different, um, which, of course, may be one of the reasons we last. Uh, uh, 
And so everybody gets on the ballot. We all qualify in August and everybody runs in October. Democrats, Republicans, independents, whatever you are, you just pile in. And then the two top vote getters then move over to the November election. The governor's election has always been the 800 pound gorilla. Okay, of the races. It it consumes all of the oxygen in the state. Everybody's up, the whole legislature's up, sheriff's up, but the governor's race really is the is the one that consumes everything. So we're at the top. So we're on the big stage. And as you know, they're shooting at us. Um, but I think that you know, for our, our strategy is this: we want to go out there and tell the citizens of the state, hey, look, this is the job we've been doing for you over the last eight years. And we didn't care whether you were a Democrat or Republican or an independent, whether you were black white or brown, we went out there and protected your liberties, your way of life, your culture. We want an opportunity to do the same thing to fix our educational system, to fix our crime problem, and to create great jobs in Louisiana and get people moving in rather than moving out. So what what role uh, do you currently have as attorney general in being able to fight crime? We, we spoke about those things uh, you know, you'd mentioned you know, the, the consent decree. And I think that's something done with New Orleans and the Justice Department almost carving out. Uh, you know, explain how that works, because it feels like you have the federal government essentially making almost your job or at least a component of your job uh, a lot harder to accomplish because they're, they're basically carving you out of it. How does how does that work so that people really understand it in detail? That's a great question because people should understand that irrespective of where they live. Because when I when I became attorney general, I think there were like 12 or 13 cities that that Obama administration had placed under consent decrees. Some of them are in many of them in the top 10 most dangerous cities. Okay, Mm -hmm. still today. And basically what those consent decrees do is it's a federal takeover of your police department. And so people are listening out there and watching should always be alert when they hear consent decree. That it that equals, that translates to the federal government taking over some function of what belongs to either your local government or the state. Now listen, the federal government, we know, doesn't do a whole lot good, okay? And they certainly can't manage a police department. If you want to go see one, what it looks like when the federal government manages, when a federal judge manages a police department, go down to New Orleans right now, which is one of the most dangerous cities in the entire country. And it's that way because they put in place policies that handcuff the police. They're constantly, you know, making them train more. No, we've got a, they're under a policy. They can't even chase a suspect. Like they can't even like run down the street. They see somebody breaking in your car or somebody shooting somebody else. They can't go on a high speed chase. That that's banned from them. And then they got to say, Oh, Don, we just saw you you know, carjack or basically uh, assault this female, would you mind putting your hands behind your back? Would you please do that for us? Like, No, I'm not of, going to. Okay, then have a nice policies. day. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I mean, think about it. And so those are the things that happen when you get into a consent decree. We've been railing against this thing. And I'm going to tell you, when your dad was the president, we were like this close to getting that consent decree uh, lifted. And, and and it really, the federal government has no business taking over any state or any city's jobs. So, you know, yeah, because I've, I've seen that. I, obviously, you're a friend, and so I follow what's going on. I've seen one of your opponents in the governor's race is sort of trying to blame you for that, but it, it doesn't seem like you actually have anything to do with it. I mean, would you, as governor, 
uh, be able to push back on that? Would you be able to, uh, you know, break that up or or does the federal government in this case actually sort of, uh, you know, let's call it Trump the state's rights? No, the good, the good news is the governor's in charge of the state police. I'm, I'm in charge of like 35 investigators. And we don't have original jurisdiction on prosecutorial matters. We only have supervisory jurisdiction. So it's real hard for us to get a hold of cases or to wrestle cases away from, say, woke DAs. Yeah. We want to, as governor, we will be able to change that particular policy or if we need to change it um, <clears throat> and, and put it in a place where we can hold those DAs uh, and judges accountable. So that's a that's a major, major difference from being the attorney general and the governor. I mean, look, we've done everything we could to combat crime. We were the only statewide elected official, the only one to push back against the things that the governor and them were doing that basically have caused violent crime in Louisiana to escalate. We were we we were the only ones who went out there and tried to reform our drug courts because look, the criminal justice system, it's important. And you know this because yep. y'all worked on it. It's important that when good people make a bad decision, they get a second chance. When bad people make a bad decision again and again and again, hmm, they got to go. Or when they do real awful things, they get to be put away for a long time. And so that's the kind of system we want to build. We we went and reformed our drug court system. We had, The state of Louisiana is getting $750 million from the opioid settlement that we uh, litigated. We wanted to put that into our drug courts. The governor vetoed it. Why? Politics. Because it had my name on it. We're not going to play politics. We want yeah. to take care of people. Yeah, no, that, that that's a big one. I, you know, speaking of sort of, you know, playing politics, you know, where do you see the 2024 Republican primary going? I mean, you, you see the, Trump now with over 60 percent of the polls. It feels like so many to me, so many of the candidates are are running almost as like spoilers for like the rhinos. You know what I mean? Like, let's just try to take Trump out because they don't really care if they lose like you know, let the, let Joe Biden do another four years of damage and destroy it as long as we can prevent sort of, you know, America first policies from actually taking effect, holding Republicans uh, to account uh, in actually delivering for their constituency. Where do you see with what's going on there? Well, I think, you know, the sad part is, is that Republicans out there <clears throat> uh, who do those kind of things, um, all they do is create losers on our side. Right. I mean, if you look at what the Democrats do, why they've been able to make the gains they've made, why the country is crumbling is because they've been able to consolidate their power and their, uh, you know, um, uh, groups of voters and move in one uniform direction. OK, mm -hmm. they pick a candidate or they see a candidate's doing extremely well in the board and like, let's not go beat him up. We want him or her to win. Right. Yeah. Republicans. We seem to not do that. I, yeah. I, it, it just amazes me that we can't say, I mean, I thought we all care about people, right? I mean, at some point in time, you look at the polling, you see the momentum, you see an opportunity. Why don't you go and say, look, let me be a part of that team. Let's work on this together. Let's all pull in the same direction. Let's all pull for freedom and liberty mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and bringing jobs back into America. But for whatever reason, you know, I don't know. They 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 have a tendency to either live in a particular bubble, uh, where they 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 it's like an echo chamber. I think some of them get in, yeah, and 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 they don't get out there. You know, look, the one thing I have to say about your dad, but whether people like him, dislike him, whatever, the man actually. I, this is the one thing people will actually say. Oh, you met Donald Trump. Tell me about him. I say, you know what? He's got a tremendous amount of humility. Like I've watched him 
he will walk over and talk to anybody. Yeah. Okay. And he cares deeply about the conversation that he's having with them, whether they're a janitor, a cook, a teacher, a police officer, whomever it is, yeah. irrespective of their economic background or whatnot. He truly cares what they have to say. To me, that's really what public servants are supposed to do. You know, you call that servant leadership. Um, you don't just sit in a particular bubble um, telling yourself that you're better than you are. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I'm hoping that I'm hoping the primary system for 2024 really writes itself um, in the near future. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll say. By the way, it's an interesting point you made because I've had this conversation with a couple of people who also know him like you do. And I'm like, even during other things, I'm like, he actually has the empathy that he does not like the show because he doesn't want to appear to be the nice guy when he's like, no, 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 but I'm dealing with Iran and China and Putin and North Korea. Like, if I'm the nice guy here, it, it makes me look, there's an old school mentality there, but I'm like, man, I, I don't want to say it's, you know, maybe I'll say it, I'll get in trouble for it, but I mean, perhaps that's the, you know, I don't, maybe a political liability that, because he has something, right? We know those people who are incapable uh, of empathy or emotion, that's different. Right. When you're capable right. of it, but you actually sort of don't want to show it because of a different reason, it's an old school mentality. But like, I, I'm like, man, I wish he saw that. Like, you see that maybe with some of his competition, where they're they're incapable of talking to regular people. They're, you know, uh, you know, on some level, on what just they're not that way, and they can create a personality online, having influencers do it, but. It, but it doesn't translate to the real world. He actually has that, just doesn't like to show it often enough. That's why like the behind the scenes things, you know, when he's at McDonald's and he's going back and forth, you'd like to see, oh, people love him because he actually has that ability and not everyone does. He just doesn't like to really show it on purpose, you know, which is weird. Well, that, you know, it's two, two things I say about that. One, that's what scares the bejeebies out of the Democrats and the liberals, right? Yeah. Because he is a bit unhinged in that. Like he'll go outside of the political norm and, talk to anybody and like want to hear what they say. And then he'll say, and you know, this person told me this and it makes a whole lot of sense. We should go do it. Yeah. That strikes fear in the establishment, you know, yeah. and, 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 and two, going back in that vein, I love to, I talk to people. Okay. Who maybe don't have the greatest opinion of him. And they'll ask me that question and I'll give them that answer. And they'll look at me like, really? And then I'll tell them that. And they're like, Hmm. And they just like you can see the wheels turn. I'm like, look, this is a man who will literally go out there and listen. OK, yeah. I know maybe you don't see it on TV. Maybe it doesn't seem like that. <laughs> but yeah. I can tell you there's a reason 72 million. No, no. What was the last? But 80 million people voted for him. Right. So it's the reason that he packs the particular stadiums that he does. It's the reason people gravitate to him. Um, you know, the amazing thing, too, is that is that I found out, you know, all through the 2016 uh, cycle and, 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 and the 2020 election, one of the things that fascinated me when he came to Louisiana was the number of young people that yeah. were attracted to the rallies that he held. And it was um, because because I think, that, you know, I think that right now Americans are searching um, for some security to their liberty. And 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 they're looking for leaders out there that are going to stand up and say, you know what, America is still going to be a place of freedom, a place of greatness and a place of exceptionalism. There's yeah. nothing wrong with being exceptional. Well, I, I think that's really well said, buddy. And I think, you know, you're going to do that in Louisiana. Like, what, 
Where can our viewers, uh, where can they follow you? Where can they see what's going on so they can follow this race? Because again, uh, as you sort of alluded to, and and where I actually agree 100%, uh, you know, what was perhaps the the great awakening of COVID uh, was that, you know, who your governor is matters a lot. Uh, You know, their willingness to take on that stuff matters a lot. In terms of your day-to-day life, uh, that matters more than anything, you know, whether it's, you know, towards your prosperity, freedoms, all, all those things that we hold dear. You know, wh- where can our viewers uh, find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they learn about the race and, and see what's going on? Because, again, I think, the, the, you know, the governors are leading the charge in that stuff. Real simple. They just go to JeffLandry.com. All of the information is there. They can follow us on Facebook. They can follow us on Instagram, Twitter. As well, as as much as Facebook will let it, right? Um, I think yeah, Twitter exactly. seems to be a little yeah. freer today. Joe Biden uh, may not be able to collude with like, them right now to censor you, but I have a feeling right they're going to do it safe. anyway, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they can go to JeffLandry.com and follow us on all of the social media platforms: Rumble, uh, Truth Social, all of uh, of those. We're on all of those platforms. Uh, we love if you're in Louisiana. We certainly want your vote. We want you to join our team. We want you to get involved because this race is really not about me. It's about you if you're living in Louisiana. And if you're from outside of Louisiana, hey, look, join us, follow us, uh, like us, you know, join our team. It all matters, man. Well, thank you for everything that you're doing, Jeff. But more importantly, thank you for the friendship. Uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. As we were discussing sort of before we started chatting, uh, you know, maybe we got to go do a little redfish camp. I, I have to get my, uh, my my Louisiana fix. I haven't had it since like, I guess it was September, October when I was at uh, yeah. at your deer at camp. So uh, look forward to getting back there, buddy. Well, look, hopefully we'll get to do it. We'll get a little bit of relaxation shot time and hope everybody is safe and enjoying the summer. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us. Guys, thanks again for tuning in. That was important. It's awesome to see people that are actually fighting back, not just talking about it in small groups of people and then doing nothing about it, actually fighting back. I also want to make sure that you guys like, subscribe, share. It takes two seconds to hit the like button. Hit it so other people will get to see this and figure out what's actually going on. Also, don't forget to check out our incredible sponsors that took a big risk Uh, really sponsoring a show like this, right? It's not easy. They get canceled day in and day out. So go check out the folks at GoldCo where you can learn about the importance of diversifying your portfolio, taking care of your family's financial well-being. These guys can walk you through it while also supporting your values. So go to DonJuniorGold.com to learn more. And that's it. They'll walk you through it step by step so you can figure out what's right for you. But we see the insanity going on and we just want you to be prepared go to donjuniorgold.com. Speaking of being prepared, also make sure you check out the folks at My Patriot Supply where you can stock up on everything that your family needs and invest in your family's food security, right? Whether, like I mentioned earlier, I live in Florida, hurricane strike. You never know when you're gonna be out of power food, whatever it may be. That happened even a couple of weeks ago where you couldn't get gas in South Florida because it rained hard for a couple of days. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com slash Don Jr. and stock up on their popular food kit. Uh, You'll also get $200 off when you do. Uh, They'll keep your family and everyone sustained and healthy in a crisis. So you can also go to PrepareWithDonJr.com. That's P-R-E-P-A-R-E with DonJr.com. Get fast, free shipping as well. So guys, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Go check out the sponsors. Like, subscribe, and I will see you next week.